Welcome to the IRS Lead Essentials Podcast. Here we discuss the strategies in your journey to level up as an IRS developer, that is, achieve technical excellence and be part of the highest paid IRS developers in the world. I'm Mike. And I'm Kayo. And the topic today is how many iOS apps do you need in your portfolio to get to the top 10% iOS dev salaries? If you're watching us live, you can send your questions. We'll try to reply live. And this is the first podcast of 2021, I believe. So happy new year. Happy new year, exactly. So this is a common question we receive. I don't have a lot of free time. How many apps do I need in my portfolio to impress companies and get good offers? Or even I worked on the same app for a long time. So I have only this app, this one app, in my portfolio and I'm afraid I won't be able to find better jobs later. Should I quit my job to have more apps in my portfolio? So the premise here is that you need more apps in your portfolio to get better jobs. Mm -hmm. But the confusion is that the more apps, the better opportunities you can get, which can be in part true because you have more experience to show. We have more apps to show, we have more experience to show. But the number, the number of apps is not a decisive factor. The quality and the relevance of those apps are much more important. It's not just about quantity, it's quality. Quality is more important. So what is best? What is best? A large or a small portfolio of iOS apps? Let's see. It's a common saying, where was it? I hope the answer is like... Only one good app, Omar said. <laughs> Probably a large one, Francisco said. Small, which is, are great. Small, maybe. Small, but with quality. Quality over quantity. That's it. One good app. Yeah, one successful app as well. So it depends. In my experience, it's better to have one, one very, 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 very good app in your portfolio than 10 mediocre or buggy apps that's it of course 10 very 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 good apps is better than one but 10 mediocre apps are not better than a very 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 good one for example if you need a knee surgery a knee surgery would you choose a surgeon that you know has solved a very difficult case similar to yours with an with excellence and the patient is 100 percent recovered or another surgeon who has done 10 mediocre surgeries with complications. I would choose the first one. Sounds, yeah. Sounds reasonable. I would choose the first one. Does it make sense? That quantity is not that important. And in fact, I got many gigs, many opportunities without even, they didn't even ask for a portfolio of apps. Yeah. Maybe you think you need a large portfolio of apps. You're going to work for years building like 10, 20, 100 apps. And then you go to the interview and it's like, no, nah, don't need it. Yeah, exactly. Because those companies, they, they have their own hiring process, their own tests to validate your skills. Some companies are not even going to look at your portfolio. Because first of all, they, they might not trust that you actually built those apps you're showing. Does it make sense? Like they don't have the information. Like, do you actually work in this app or are you just saying it? So they may even discard a portfolio 
because they have their own onboarding process, their own hiring process that will validate your skills if it matches what they need. Yeah, their own processes. And you don't have to be discouraged or, you know, like <laughs> sad about that, you know, if you get the gig. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it can certainly happen. It's a common thing to happen, actually, in the industry. Exactly. But a portfolio can help. It's not a decisive factor in getting to the top 10% salaries. But of course, it can help if you have a portfolio of excellent, excellent apps. Yeah. And we should define here, because I see some questions here asking, what is a quality app? So we say excellent apps, for example. What is an excellent app? And Victor asked, what is a quality app, for example, here? App with a lot of downloads or app with best <laughs> practice in code, but doesn't have, hasn't been published? So they cannot see the code, right? They only see right. the app. You mm -hmm. probably cannot show the code. If it's a professional app that you built for a company, right? You cannot show that to these companies. So they're going to interact with your app. So a very successful app, an app that like it does what it's supposed to do, it's successful, it was successful for the company, achieved the goals of the company you were working for. And also it has good reviews. This, those are things they're going to look, they're going to check in the app store, the reviews from people that are using the app. If it's a famous app that they know already about, that's a bonus point. You know, maybe it's an app that they use. <laughs> yeah. If it's a very popular app that they use, it might gain you some bonus points as well. Yeah, Partik says good user experience then. And yes, good user absolutely. experience. They're also going to check in the uh, history of releases in the App Store, how many times were released, like once a year, twice mm -hmm. a year, or maybe like every week shows like a very agile process, right? Mm -hmm. If you're releasing weekly. The app size. App size. You know, yeah, that's, that's a big one. If they're really interested in the apps you built, they might even check for security breaches, for problems in the app. You mm -hmm. know, they might run mm -hmm. some applications that will check if there's anything wrong security-wise, if it uses a lot of data and so on. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. But most companies Absolutely. are not going to do this thorough analysis of your app. As we said, they have their own hiring process they use to validate your skills especially at the top 10% salaries. That's it. That's why a portfolio is not a decisive factor, but it can help. It can help. So how, how to build a portfolio of apps if you don't have time? Even if you can't dedicate a lot of time to create a portfolio, you can create a very, very, very good app that will speak volumes about your skills. One. And that should be the app you're working right now. Yep. The iOS app you're working on right now. Maybe you're going to say, I'm not working on a project right now. Well, then you can probably find the time to build one. Yeah. If that's a priority, right? If finding these good opportunities is a priority in your life. If it's not, that's fine. No problem. But if you're working on a project, deliver your best always. And know that your best will change over time. Do your best right now and keep improving. So tomorrow you're better and better and you always deliver your best, your best potential, always. I always say over deliver in every project you work on. Like any accomplished professionals and even artists, you should sign your work, sign your work with excellence. So if, with time 
you can increase the rewards you get for your work, for your excellent work. That's it. Because I see a lot of people saying that, well, but my boss doesn't give me the time. I don't have the means to do it because my boss doesn't let me test and so on. An important concept I learned from mentors is that you never work for somebody else. Never. <laughs> somebody else might write you a check right now, but ultimately you work for yourself. This is important. You don't work for somebody else. You work for yourself. And you are the person who will eventually, eventually be able to decide how much they write in that check. You are the person with the most influence on how much they're going to write in that check. If you let the circumstances drive you to deliver bad results, you will not progress. So you need to always over-deliver to your current skill level, and it will improve over time, but you always deliver your best regardless of the challenges. Because you're working for yourself, you're building your reputation, you're building your portfolio. Don't let others dictate if this portfolio is going to be good or not. It's you. You're working for yourself. And you're going to deliver amazing results for your clients, for the companies you work for, as to build your portfolio of apps, your professional portfolio of apps. Because then, with better skills, with a better portfolio, you can get better opportunities. And you will be the one deciding how much they write in the check. Yeah, exactly. It's about owning your work, owning your results, being accountable for yourself, first of all, uh, for your work, and then your team as you're going to lead the team, etc., etc. Yep. Question. Someone said, I worked on five apps, but two are great. Mm -hmm. Should I showcase all of them? Or should I remove the ones I'm not proud of? Remove the ones you're not proud of. 100%. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Another question. What if the company doesn't have a good product? Why is it not good? You are building the product. Why is it not good? Make That's it good. It. Help yeah. them be successful. What about enterprise app developer? Okay, so you cannot show the apps you built. Again, it's not a decisive factor. It's not a decisive factor. You can explain to the hiring manager that you work as an enterprise app developer and you cannot show the app. They're going to have their own process for validating your skills. No problem. But be transparent. And if you can, build your personal projects. Okay, if it's popular app, it has more iOS devs in the team that have worked on it. Okay. So if you're working on a popular app, let's say I'm working for Facebook or Uber, and they have 300 engineers, how would you convince you made significant dev in the project? First of all, just by being part of these large projects, it already gains you a lot of points, right? Because you already proved that you can work in those massive projects with large engineering teams, right? So you already gain points for being part of this large team. Yeah. But you cannot prove what you worked in there. But in the interview process, they're going to ask you questions and they're going to know if you're telling the truth or not by the way you speak, by how confident you are and by how you show your skills in their own interview process. That's it. Valerie says, why I shouldn't show my progress over time? Last apps are great, but first ones are not so great. You always want to show the latest achievements, the 
you know, provide excellence. And it's it's kind of implicit that the first apps are not going to be that great, right? So don't waste any time of the people that are trying to hire you. If you have better apps to show, you don't need to show the old ones that you're not as proud of anymore, right? Mm -hmm. As I said, you should always be delivering your best. Maybe two years ago, you deliver an app you're very proud of because you delivered your best. But two years passed, and now you're much better and you have much better apps to show that you're proud of. You don't need to show the old one anymore. Yep. If you didn't keep it up to date with your skills, you don't need to show it anymore. It may work against you. What else? Okay, we have one for the junior crowd. Partik, what approach to take for someone who's a fresh grad, 2020, trying to apply for iOS dev jobs? Yeah, so in this case, you probably don't have apps in the App Store and you don't have experience, right? You say fresh grad. So creating probably like GitHub projects and maybe even put, putting some apps on the App Store, you know, some indie apps there, that's going to help you, you know, with a with a, with a hiring process. Yeah, so companies you, would not be expecting a large portfolio of yeah. beginners, right? Fresh yeah. grad. Yeah. But if you have some apps that you built, it's on GitHub, it's on the App Store, it will help you get opportunities because you can already show that you can do it. You can build apps. Yep. But your job as a beginner is to learn and become exactly as good as you can. Yes. Because I see a lot of beginners or even mid-level developers, they take a lot of courses, you know, they go on Udemy, on whatever sites and they buy a bunch of courses and they put on their CV, I finished this course, this course, this course, this course, this course, but they have no apps to show. So you just watched the course, but you did not apply what you learned in apps. You learn by building apps. You don't learn by watching videos. So if you go and make a course on Udemy or whatever, build an app with what you learned, because this is going to be your portfolio. And over time, as you improve your skills, you improve your portfolio. You should be working on projects and delivering your best because your professional apps will be your portfolio. And one very, very good app, your latest one, should be your main, main app that you show to the companies when you're getting to the top 10% salaries. But as a beginner, you're not going to get the top 10% dev salaries. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. All right. What else? Any other questions? Any thoughts on people with non-tech backgrounds who just learned to build iOS apps. Well, if you learn how to build apps, it means you can build apps. So you can build yeah. a portfolio. Prioritize publishing something to the App Store or have a well-structured demo project on GitHub. What is the difference? If you have a project, well-structured demo project on GitHub, it doesn't take a lot to publish it to the App Store. You just release it to the App Store. Absolutely. If you have the project, just release it. Shows that you can do the whole Exactly. Journey, you know, from beginning, from yes. empty project to the App Store. Very, very important. Absolutely. Anything that you can actually prove, you know, in these early stages of your career, you know, in these <laughs> interviews, like, is there is there a way to prove what you're claiming, you know, that, oh, I know how to build apps, you know, or I know how to ship apps. Okay, just show them the proof. That's That's going to help you. That's it. If you always deliver your best, your rewards will increase because your best will also improve. Your best now is going to be even better in two years. Yep. So that's it. If you always over-deliver your best, your rewards will increase. Otherwise, you know what will happen. I don't need to say it, right? So even if you work in a single app 
senior developer, worked in a single app for a long time, for many years, no problem, no problem. Make it excellent, make it, make it successful, help the business make it successful. You know, for example, we have a student, it's Mike here, Mike Pati. He just released an amazing app, solo fretboard visualization for guitar players. They're like jazz and fusion. Yep. It's being very successful, the launch. Congratulations, Mike, for over delivering in this project. It looks amazing. A lot of positive reviews on the app. Congratulations. Absolutely. So over deliver and you won't need a large portfolio of apps to get to the top 10% iOS dev salaries. Because over time, your portfolio will change. You know, you're going to become better and better and maybe you're going to discard some apps you built like five years ago. That's it. So what kind of apps can you add to your portfolio? Mainly, there are two types. Personal projects and professional projects where you develop an app for somebody else. Now, if you're looking for the top 10% iOS dev salaries, which kind do you think is best to get those offers? Personal or professional? You want to get this job, top 10% iOS dev offers, to work professionally, right? Building apps for someone else. So, the best one, professional projects. <laughs> in my experience, the best apps to show in your portfolio are the professional projects in the same domain as the company you are applying to. Yeah. For example, I work for many e-commerce companies, including walmart.com. Huge, huge e-commerce system. Walmart is a massive company. They make, what, 500 billion a year? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those. More than Amazon. So it was much easier for me to get jobs in other e-commerce companies because I could show that I've worked in e-commerce companies professionally. <laughs> Make sense? I could have built a tiny e-commerce app for a personal project on GitHub, but it wouldn't show as much proficiency as working for big e-commerce companies, you know, with a lot at stake. You're shipping code in the wild. <laughs> it's exactly. In the wild. And it's either making money or it's losing money. <laughs> exactly. That, that's it. Like skin, you have skin in the game there, you know, for Walmart or for any other company. So. Exactly. You know, I could show that I understand and can deliver apps in their specific domain. For example, remarketing and A-B testing. They are huge in e-commerce apps, huge, huge features in e-commerce apps. And it's quite hard to get right. Mm -hmm. You know, A-B testing, remarketing is very hard to get right. So the e-commerce businesses are happy to pay a premium for people who can implement it. Make sense? If you want to get to the top 10% salaries, you need to be a specialist because then the companies will be willing to pay you a premium for being a specialist in their domain. Absolutely. Simple as that. For example, A-B testing and remarketing increases sales and of course increases revenue, conversion. <laughs> yeah. And if you can show that you can increase sales and conversion, you will be able to tell them how much they're going to write in the check. Pretty much. Yep. Reasonably, of course. <laughs> yep. That's why we say, you know, in previous podcasts, that being an expert in a specific domain or niche will get you better opportunities. If you advertise yourself as a generalist, 
you are not so attractive to the top 10% iOS dev salaries opportunities. Mm -hmm. If you're a specialist, you're much more attractive to these positions. But it's not mandatory, again, to have a professional app in the specific domain the company operating to get the top 10% offers. You don't need, don't need it. Maybe you are working in banking, in a banking app for a couple of years, but you want to switch to the broadcasting sector, but you have no professional apps to show in that domain. You don't have never worked in the broadcasting industry. It's mm -hmm. very different, you know, streaming videos and so on. It's different. It's a different domain. Then in this case, you could create, you know, a personal iOS project to showcase your skills in that domain. Create a tiny, you know, or maybe a small broadcasting app that solves a specific problem really well. Really well. Because it can help you get into the sector if you want to switch, you know, from one domain to the other. Why not? Do we have any questions here about this? <laughs> it's funny because Google, uh, it just asked, or she, I don't know, sorry, uh, exactly this question. Like, I work in a bank hub, but I would like to change the kind of business I work. <laughs> Do I need to make apps on my own of that new business I want? For example, tourism. Yeah. We are Fantastic. in sync. In sync. <laughs> I mean, you can transfer most of your skills that you work in this banking app to other domains. Actually, working in a domain like banking gains you a lot of credibility because you're dealing with like complex problems, you know, security, authentication. There's a lot of problems embedded in that domain that's going to mm -hmm. gain you some points in any other domain. Mm -hmm. But if you want to increase your chances, you can build some personal projects in that area. So your professional experience will support it, plus your personal projects, they will help you in that domain. People say escape from banks. There are some very, very good fintech companies, very exciting projects. Don't discard it. All right, so a portfolio of apps, it's not a decisive factor, but help you get more opportunities as you progress. But as you progress, you should become a reference in an yep. industry. You should become a reference in a domain. Because then you don't need a portfolio. You know, your reputation will speak volumes for you. Yeah, exactly. People should know you by reference because of your good work and the value you provide. So you promote yourself in that yes. niche. You'll be the yes. specialist in that niche. Mm -hmm. Because you deliver value to those projects and teams. And you're going to get references as well from people you work before in the domain. Because people switch jobs, right? Yeah. If you're working right now, your boss goes to another company and he wants to bring you, they're going to bring you with them. And then maybe that's opportunity for you to step up and even get a better position in this new company. Position of leadership. And that's maybe how you're going to get to the top 10% iOS mm -hmm. dev salaries. Because it shows such great work that when people move to other companies, they want to bring you with them. You have a much better chance of negotiating in this setup as well. That's why it's important to specialize as well in specific domains. Because this is going to increase your chances of getting the top 10% salaries. So again, if you get a good reputation in the banking industry, or even a sub-niche, you know, a sub-niche of the banking industry, it's much easier to be recognized and hired by reference, by your reputation. Yeah. Any questions here? Every domain has its, its pros and cons. 
Absolutely. Nothing yeah. nothing's perfect. There's no perfect job. There's no perfect domain. Everything has their pros and cons. It's all about finding a balance, you know? Mm-hmm. Find a balance. There's no perfect company. There's no perfect team. There's no perfect project. No perfect domain. You need to find a balance. Balance. Balance exists. And balance means some things are going to be bad, some things are going to be good, some things are going to be bad, some things are going to be good, but you can balance it and you stay in the middle. That's it. Simple as that. And I switched to banking in London, from e-commerce to banking, and I didn't have any banking app to show. But I built a reputation here. So it was much easier for me to switch and get top 1% offers. 1% offers in London in the banking industry without a banking app to show. Mm-hmm. Because that's not a decisive factor. Yep. Your mindset, your attitude, your yep. experience, you know? Yeah, exactly. It can be transferred sure. to other domains. Yeah. Well, I see this all the time with students that over-deliver apps. They can easily switch to other domains if they want to. Because many of the skills they build, they can transfer to other domains. Leadership. Creating like scalable architectures, testing, CI, CD, what else? Any kind of automation, security, localization, deep linking, remarketing, A-B testing, Mm -hmm. and so on. And so on. A lot of those skills are transferable. So the number of apps in your portfolio is not a decisive factor. It is not. When getting to the top 10% dev salaries, because you're going to get there with a reputation as well. A reputation of always over-delivering. Being at the top of your game. Mm-hmm. Let me see if we have any questions here. Yeah, Raffaele asks, I got a degree in computer engineering, but in Italy, we didn't practice a lot. How can I improve my skills about architecture and design in mobile development? Well, you said it. We didn't practice a lot. So you need to practice. (laughs) What is the the fastest and best way to learn something? Learn from others, right? Yep. Be around a community of people that have the same goals as you do. Mm -hmm. Why do you think the software craftsmanship community started? Because they were looking for people that share the same ideals. Not every company cares about engineering, you know, good practices. So you need to find those people and you need to work with them. You need to learn from them. You need to practice. You learn by practicing. What do you do? You find people that care about the same thing you care about and you learn from them and you work with them. That's it. So it's not about the number of apps you have in your portfolio. It's about the quality. And one could be enough. One could be enough. And one very, very, very good one could be enough. In my experience, most companies won't need to see a bunch, a bunch of projects or side projects to hire, hire you. In the, when you go to this top 10% offers, the people that will be interviewing you, they know just by talking to you, if you know what you're talking about or if you're trying to fool them, they know. Exactly. When you become a black belt, you can tell who is not legit. Simple as that can search later on YouTube like fake black belts. You see a bunch. <laughs> a black belt can identify another one, you know, and say, this guy's not legit. 
<laughs> Simple as that. So the portfolio is not decisive. It's about your experience. And you can show a portfolio. If you have a very, very, very good app, maybe one is enough, you know? Of course, the more excellent apps you can show, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. It helps. For example, if you have a Toyota car and you need some important repair, you probably will choose a place that specialized in Toyota cars, right. right? And have a track record of delivering great work. If you want a good job, <laughs> if you care about getting a good job. Yep. Because the generic companies that can fix any car, any car may charge less, they're generic, but will most often provide a worse service. If you want a good service, you pay a premium for specialists. They can provide you outstanding results. Exactly. Simple as that. If you live in the UK and you want to do business with the US, you need an accountant that understands the UK-US deals. Or you can get a generic accountant that is going to give you a lot of headache and maybe you're going to lose money. You're not going to pay your taxes on time or tax correctly and you're going to pay fees, fines, you know? So yep. you find a specialist. And they're going to charge more because they are specialists. <laughs> yeah. But you're going to yep. get a better service. Yeah. And that's why it's important that you are a specialist as well. So you avoid working for companies that want cheap and quick generic solutions. Otherwise, you're going to be the cheap and quick generic developer. And I've been there and it's not fun. <laughs> it is not fun. So it's important to invest time in over-delivering in every project you work on. That's the key. Always deliver your best so you become better and you can get better and better and better opportunities. Because the best apps in your portfolio will be the professional ones that were successful in the wild, in a professional setting, with skin in the game. <laughs> yeah. So this means you need to invest in yourself. Because remember, you don't work for somebody else. You work for yourself. Somebody else might be writing your check, but you are the person that with time will decide how much they'll write in the check. It's about you. So you need to invest in yourself. Invest in yourself. Improve your skills. So you can deliver better work. So you can get better opportunities. Invest in yourself and your education continuously. Because your best right now shouldn't be your best two years from now. It should be much better as you progress. Always try to beat your own best. Instead of comparing yourself to others. You need to set high goals. You want to achieve technical excellence. You want to be excellent. Sign your work with excellence and become a black belt, a legit black belt. It's not easy. <laughs> I'm saying this, but it's not easy. Is it easy to be a black belt in whatever field, whatever field? If it was, everyone would be, right? So I was checking the other day how many jiu-jitsu black belts exist on the Federation site. It's around 6,000. 6,000 black belts. How many practitioners? 2 million. Out of 2 million, 6,000 black belts. That's how hard it is. Yep. For example, how many developer accounts Apple said they have right now? Uh, 20 plus million, I believe. Million. How many are black belts? 
or want to be black belt. Only a very, very, very small percentage wants to put the effort to get there. And that's fine. There is space for everyone. You don't need to be a black belt to be successful. But if you want to be very, very, very successful, you need to be very, very, very good. If you want things to change, you need to change. Yes. You know, so only a very small percentage want to get to this level and will commit to getting there. But they get unbelievable rewards. They still work the same amount of hours, but they get much more for their time. And you can get it too. You need to set high goals for becoming excellent and commit to those goals. You need to commit to those goals. It's not just setting a goal. Commit and do what it takes. So over-deliver now. Start building your portfolio of excellent apps. Create a reputation of being excellent. Sign your work with excellence. Always sign your work with excellence. And the best time to start is now. Well, the best time was probably yesterday, but the second best time is now. All right, questions. So best could be to show three different domains with my apps. No, the best is to show a domain, right? An app in a domain that matches the company you are applying. Otherwise, you become a generalist again. Exactly. Yeah, it promotes the expertise on the current domain slash niche. Again, it doesn't mean like you can't be extremely good at three different domains, right? We're not saying that. Absolutely. And this is important. When you apply for a company, you shouldn't have a generic CV or a generic portfolio, right? When you apply for a company and you really want to get the top 10% dev salaries and you want to work for this company, you're going to tailor the CV for that company. You're going to tailor your portfolio for that company as well. Yes. So if you're, you want to work, again, for banking or trading or crypto, whatever, you're going to tailor your CV to what is meaningful to them, what is relevant to their domain. Mm-hmm. So you show up as a specialist in their domain. Okay, what else? Are there more profitable domains? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe Absolutely. that's how you choose a domain, you know? That's like your criterion. Yeah, like, I, I don't recommend choosing it by, by the money alone because maybe you're going to make a lot of money, but you're not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ideally, you want to be happy and also make a lot of money. Yeah. Right? But there are more profitable domains. Absolutely. Just do some research. What are the industries that make the most money? Entertainment, banking, finance, e-commerce. Yeah, I mean, gambling is like a, yeah, a big one. Of course. But I don't like gambling. I wouldn't work in a gambling company. But that's my personal decision. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But it's a very, very profitable domain. Mm -hmm. It's just that I don't like. I don't like that domain. And that's fine. I'm not saying it's wrong. I just don't like it. Yep. So that's what I'm saying. You don't choose it just about the money. That's it. Sometimes it's not in our hands to choose domain. It's all up to the company. Well, you chose the company you work for, right? You can say no to a company. Yeah, exactly. And this comes back as well to the whole owning your, you know, your work, your results and everything else. Like it's not the company that is going to decide for, for you, for your life. Right. As Kayo said, like you, you decide your, your value. Someone else signs the checks, but you decide the value. That's, 
the same thing pretty much which which means you don't want the market to dictate what sort of cops to put in you right you should inverse the thought so they're asking what was your experience in walmart did they care about tdd in architecture they hired me as a specialist and i was the lead so it was up to me to decide mm -hmm. if we're going to use tdd architecture or whatever i had freedom it was very 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 good opportunity and that's why we say you need to be a specialist and need to be hired as a specialist because when they hire a specialist they want you to tell them what to do mm -hmm. instead of them telling you what to do you're not going to be micromanaged but then you want the result you need to deliver <laughs> all right what about passive income with development it is possible absolutely absolutely you can build apps and sell apps in the app store or your own store you can create courses you can create a successful blog and sell advertisement space in there like many swift bloggers do mm -hmm. yeah there are so many opportunities yeah there are many ways But you can do that a lot of people think that passive income is like i actually do nothing and make money and it's like you can make money in your sleep because for example your blog will be making you money with ads or whatever you do as you sleep but you need to build a blog it's not that passive <laughs> you need right. to do the work you're not gonna just sit and make money that's not how money works yeah exactly like you need to put the work of course to reach these levels valerie how to ask for a bigger offer when i think that i don't cost so much and even more just ask for more money we see a lot of students that are afraid of asking for more money and i was afraid of asking for more money in the beginning of my career And then one of my mentors said, just ask for it. And one company said no, the other company said no, and then another company said yes. And I'm like, what? That's it. If you can deliver the work and you are confident as you are, just ask for more. Maybe some people are going to say no. Someone is going to say yes. Yeah. But you need to deliver the work. You need to be up to the task. Check out also, uh, I believe it's podcast 28. Uh, we talk about strategies, how to do that. Okay, what else? Previously, you talked about reaching out to recruiters to ask what the top position salaries are. Well, just ask them. I don't think there's a specific wording. Yeah. And you both want the same thing for you to get the job because they make money when you get the job. But also, if they put someone in the position, there is good for that position because usually recruitment works like this. Mm -hmm. You put someone in a position and you get paid X. And if they stay there for six months, you get paid the other part makes sense so it's not just about hiring anyone otherwise recruiters will have no incentive to find good candidates yeah so if you stay in the company and you are a good match they make more money so they want good matches right so they're gonna be helping you get the jobs and prepare to get the position just talk to them and they're gonna help you get those jobs and one of the things you can ask just say hey i'm interested in learning more about the industry And I want to become very, very good developer. I want to be at the top at the game. Can you please tell me how much have you seen the top developers making and what skills they had to get there? Because not just about oh, how much the, the, the best ones are making. You need to also learn the skills they have to get there because then you have a plan. You can make a plan to build those skills. Exactly. That's, that's exactly right. Um, be very direct and disclose that plan with them so they can help you achieve that 
let them know like what is your goal you know that's i think that's a builds a good relationship with a recruiter you know let them know like in 2021 my goal is this how can you help me exactly next many job posts do not disclose salary range is it good practice to ask for salary range before applying you might end up having a successful interview with company with not enough budget yes but some companies are not going to say it yeah yeah you should should ask absolutely but some of them are not going to say it this is a thing in brazil when i was working in brazil you could never well i'm not going to say never but it was very hard to get companies to say the salary range up front right in europe i see different they already say in the interviews you know yeah they're very upfront about it but even the range they can pay it's always negotiable always (laughs) yep that's it So if you enjoyed the podcast, like the video. And if you want to stay on the right path, subscribe to the channel. We are committed to helping you get to the top 10% iOS dev salaries. If you want to learn more, visit academy.essentialdeveloper.com. Thank you for watching and we'll see you again next time. Bye, y'all. See ya.